the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Happy May 8th to you. Year flies by, doesn't it? I think it really truly does. May is supposed to be the month where you sell in May and go away. We've heard a lot of this. We need to stop this kind of stuff. Because it can hurt you. Whole Foods is jumping on a forecast. Zillow is sliding on a loss. If you've owned Zillow for the right period of time, you've made some pretty good money. If you bought Whole Foods wrong, you lost some money, you made it right back. It's brutal. That's the way the system works. Whole Foods is looking like whole goodness. It's a whole lot of love, a whole lot of, lot of uppity. It's up 8%. Take her some on Whole Foods, WFM. It's at $102 right now, all-time high. When we went through a recession in the United States, Whole Foods got massacred. It went from $80 a share down to about 15 And since then, it's gone from 15 to 102 You need a list of stocks to love. You need a list of stocks you want to own. Like, and you're like, I will do anything to own this in a worst-case scenario. Zillow is tied towards the housing market. The housing market's done a nice move in the United States. 2002 to 2006, glorious. 2006 to 2011, not so good. 2012, 13, pretty good. So Zillow's one of those companies that kind of lived and died by that. If you take a look at its 52-week range, it's gone from about 40 bucks when it IPO'd down to 26 bucks. Boom, up to 60 bucks. Now today. Not so much. Not so much love. It's back down under 60. But it's been a play on the housing market. You're always trying to figure out what is a stock, why do I care? Because ultimately you can figure it out. SP 500's up one, the NASDAQ's down up eight, Dow's down nine. Dow's down a weird number, 9.99. Never like when that happens. So, what do we have to talk about today? Plenty, in my opinion. Dow's any new highs? Are you? Good question. Dow hits 15,000, holds 15,000 yesterday. NASDAQ, it's a long way off from its highs, but its highs were fueled by speculation. So, if you 
invested pre-speculation, you did well, and you've done well. If you invested during speculation, you've never recovered your money. SP 500, not so much speculation because they didn't have so many dot-com companies. Sitting at 1627, up a point. You know, going back to NASDAQ, in speculation days, in the late 90s, mid-90s, there was a company called Cisco Systems. And one of the reasons that the NASDAQ still, what, 35, 40% from its all-time highs is because Cisco's 35, 40%. No, no, they're actually... 150% 150% from its all-time highs, 200%. In 1998, Cisco, very large company, goes from 20 bucks a share in 98 all the way to 75 bucks a share. What's interesting to note about that is a parabolic move of a large cap company. It's right now at 20 bucks a share worth $110 billion. So probably at one point in time, it was... $300 billion company, right? And that's why the NASDAQ was, you know, 40, 50% higher than where it is now. Point being, I don't even know if this is a point being kind of, you know, thing. Intel was, Microsoft was higher. I think that the idea here is, is we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Will it ever recapture? Probably not. Cisco will be more of a dividend play. It's more of a $100 billion market cap company than it is a $300 billion market cap company. Taking a look today, it's, you know, the, the basic concepts out there. Disney, top expectations. McDonald's reported a six-tenths of 1%. Less than 1%, six-tenths of 1% decline in global comparable sales. They're both going to be in the news. So let's take a look at Disney. You know, they had a better-than-expected movie run last quarter with the better-than-expected results of Oz, the great and mighty Oz. They're down a buck forty-two today. That's okay. Jumping over to McDonald's, and again, all-time high was hit yesterday by Disney at sixty-six bucks. McDonald's sitting down thirty-three cents today, with a six-tenths of one percent drop in retail sales. Their all-time high one hundred and three today. They sit at one hundred and two. We're talking about the glory days right now on Wall Street. They're not always going to be the glory days on Wall Street. It's just not going to happen that way. I hope you grasp that. It's going to get tough at some point in time. Keep in mind that three, four, five years ago, people were calling me and saying, market's going to zero, market's going to zero. That's not going to happen. Too much capitalism out there. It's going to get tougher. I don't know when, but it is going to get tougher. AOL, amongst companies set to report earnings. 
J.C. Penney is forecast a 16.6% drop in same-store sales. Beleaguered retailer did report cash levels that were higher than analysts had thought. That's a play on will they run out of money or not. Electronic Arts earned 55 cents a share, two cents below street expectations. They saw revenue slightly above expectations. First quarter revenues forecast $450 million, well below expectations, $532 million. They're expected to improve fortunes later this year during the holiday season when a brand new Xbox is revealed. Mondelez, Mondelez. It's a food company. It's a snacks maker. They raised their full-year forecast due to a tax benefit. Got a big event coming up. First time ever big event coming up. I've never done this event. Building a retirement portfolio that lasts. What can you do to avoid running out of money in retirement? Going to be explaining to you about building a retirement portfolio that can last decades. Find out steps to reduce your risk, strategies that will help you save for retirement in a low interest rate environment, ways to minimize your debt, your tax burdens. I'm going to be talking about top 10 to 20 stocks that I would own in a worst case scenario, i.e. stocks that I like to accumulate. You can sign up for building a retirement portfolio, Sheraton Pleasanton, Thursday night from 6.39 at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I've always said I've got the greatest job ever, but I can almost prove it at this point in time. With the headlines I get to work with, with the stories that I get to tell, China's now saying that it may own Okinawa. Okinawa is an island slightly south of Japan. It's part of the Japanese Sea of Japan Islands. I was born in Okinawa. What will China say next? It's kind of like, what will South Korea do next? What will the Middle East do? You get to speculate a lot in my job. Neighbors reportedly saw women on leashes in the backyard of kidnapping suspect's house. Police were called to the house on multiple occasions. That is a story that is going to be rushed to a made-for-TV movie immediately. And strangely, America will watch. Police rush to a house when they see women on leashes in the backyard. Do we really think women have equality in the United States? If that's not like the telltale tale, I don't know what it is. Disney CEO Bob Iger is saying, yeah, there may be some Star Wars theme parks. Manchester United stock is taking a hit after the resignation of their coach, Sir Alex Ferguson. He took the job back in 1986. He held the job for 27 years. Company IPO'd. 135-year-old team. That's interesting to note. As he's heading from the 
dressing room to the boardroom. He leaves behind a lucrative trophy cabinet, 13 Premier League titles, two European Cup victories, five FA Cup wins, four League Cup wins. He's got a young team now, stepping aside. Going to be doing a bit a big event Thursday night, not tonight, but tomorrow night in Pleasanton. It's all about building a portfolio for retirement. It's seriously what I try to do. This is bridging the gap between Money 101, where you're trying to learn how to accumulate wealth. It's bridging the gap to retirement and financial and wealth preservation to how to build a portfolio that lasts through retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. First couple of people that email me this morning, I'll give you 50% off. It's $10 to attend. It's $10 to park. I pay for the parking. Kind of, It's kind of a push. But I'll actually give you 50% off if you drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Pleasanton tomorrow night. SP 500's up one. The Dow's up uh, fractions, and the NASDAQ up six. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a financial planner. We talk retirement and wealth issues all the time. Let's talk about the concept of rebalancing your portfolio. I think we all know the concept while we're working. Keep a look at it. Make sure nothing gets too overweighted or too underweighted in your portfolio. Uh, that's when you're working. But mm-hmm. what about in retirement? What concepts do we need to know? Well, let's talk about first why you rebalance because things like asset classes go through different rotation periods. And I've talked about the Cowan periodic table investments, and you can Google that and find this. And you can see the sectors or asset classes as soon as they make, you know, they're the best place to be for two or three years in a row. Within a couple of years, they're the worst place to be in the last in those two or three years in a row. And so, when you see them hit the ring the bell, especially for like three years in a row, or when you see an asset class like REITs all of a sudden rally up 15% when they're really a yield play, you know, it's time to take some profits and buy stuff that's been down. Um, so you, you're always looking for your investment choices where. You want a good 10-year average rate of return, and it's got to be risk-adjusted. In other words, low standard deviation, low beta. Um, And when you see something that has a great long-term rate of return sell off for a period of a year or two, that's when you want to buy it. That's when you get the real great returns that help you outperform in the long run on a risk-adjusted basis. So that's how you rebalance. The easiest way for for a person pre-retirement to rebalance is to just turn on their automatic rebalancer on the 401K. Almost every single one has it where every year at a certain month, um, it'll rebalance everything back to your original choices. A more active person will use their contributions to change their asset allocation and to rebalance. In other words, if they look in their portfolio and see they're overweight in large cap and underweight in international, they'll stop adding to large cap and start buying international. Make sense? Absolutely. But if um, you know, you're in retirement, it becomes a different story. Your rebalancing situation looks like this. You have your different pieces of your portfolio. I like your three years' worth of expenses in cash, a balanced portfolio, um, a dividend-paying stock portfolio, and some other income that's guaranteed for life. And so what I do when I rebalance and I look at things, the first thing I look at is how much of their three years' worth of expenses in cash did they spend. So if the market's positive for that quarter, I'll peel off enough out of the portfolios to replenish their cash. And then I'll look to rebalance inside the portfolios. So the first thing you look at is how can I always peel off the house money in the good times to replenish the cash that I'm spending. So I always keep my three years' worth of of safety reserves to get me through bad economies intact. Okay. So that's that's it's it's really important to kind of monitor it a little bit more closely in retirement and more on a quarterly basis. Most younger people in their 20s and 30s, 
they could rebalance once a year and still be okay as long as they're actively saving. So for you at work, you're in your office, do you have a flag that says, take a look at, should I be rebalancing today, this month, this quarter? Like, when do you remind yourself, like, I need to do this? Um, well, it, it, on a quarterly basis, if the market's negative, you just rebalance inside the portfolios. Okay. But if the market's positive and it's in a big way, let's say it's a 7% quarter, for example. Right, which is what then, we had first quarter of 2012. Right, and so you, you talk to the clients that are retired, and you constantly have to remind them that you need the three years' worth of expenses and cash. So the quarter review process becomes, look, here's what your portfolio did. What do your cash levels look like? Okay. Most of the time I can see on a wealth management site that we have for clients, I can see the amount of cash, and we can go ahead and send that to them. Gotcha. But it's an active communication situation. Uh, most of the strategies that I see people pitch out there are, here, I'm going to set up this strategy, and I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm going to sell you a bunch of crappy product, and then don't please don't call me for 15 years. That's not how it should be in retirement. It's your money. It's the only thing that you have left to live on until you're 100 years old, so you better be a little bit more proactive about it. NBA is now starting to put advertisements on jerseys. Have you ever considered putting an advertisement on your business suit? Sell ads. <laughs> you do these think, quarterly reviews. I try to think well, what would be on that. Sort of like milk of magnesia or something. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> Depends. I like it. You're telling, you're telling me your clients wear Depends. <laughs> nope. You're going on the record. Okay, so what else do we need to know about rebalancing? Um, is it easier than we think? Is it something you should let a professional do? I think it's the hardest thing that people do because it's easy to buy, but the hardest time, the hardest thing that people have trouble with in investing is when to sell. Yeah. And so by creating pieces of your portfolio and a certain asset allocation level, so you have, you know, you got your three years worth of expenses in cash. That's something you have to keep intact. That means you know you have to sell gains in order to keep that intact. Okay. And then you have an uh, an asset allocation plan that has a certain amount in in stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, alternatives, all of that in the portfolio. You set those parameters, and you know you have to sell when those parameters are out of whack. Okay. Um, I think that's about it for this topic. I think we've beat it to death, so to speak. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You can meet Chad at an upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. You can find out more about those at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can meet Chad yourself, say you need a CFP, say this is you know rocket science to you, say this is difficult stuff to understand and comprehend. Financial planners are, are good, good, solid ideas for people in retirement. You don't have time to make up your mistakes. Don't make mistakes. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Going to do a big event this Thursday evening, i.e. tomorrow night, in Pleasanton, at the Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. It's building a retirement portfolio that lasts. It's a strange concept to a lot of people. But you don't accumulate wealth and then manage wealth. There's a transition. There's a transition the way you're no longer having income coming in. So you have to have maybe a portfolio that provides income because you still have a house payment. Maybe, maybe not. You still have some things that you may want to spend money on. There's tax burdens. There's low interest rate environments. There's high interest rate environments. It's a lot easier to retire when you're getting 6% in a CD than it is at 1% in a CD. CD being certificate of deposit. 
It's the way that people have saved for years and years and years and years. And then the Fed started lowering interest rates. So that big event coming up tomorrow night, Sheraton in Pleasanton, 6.30 to 9 p.m. Set up at robblack.com. If I were doing a Money 101, I would say, you know, the smartest way to handle your 401k when you lose a job is you probably want to take it with you. Don't leave your money at your old employer, whether it be there with Fidelity or Vanguard or T. Rowe Price. Take it with you. Roll it into an IRA. You could leave it alone. You could withdraw the money. You could roll it over. I say roll it over. Leaving it alone, you kind of lose track of it. You kind of lose the ability to know what's in it. You kind of lose the, uh, my paycheck's going into it. Withdrawing it, you get a 10% penalty, and that's never a good idea. You just blew your savings account. You can find me at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. If you want to drop me an email, Rob at RobBlack.com, feel free. It's Rob at RobBlack.com. Mention that you want something answered on the air, and I'll try to do my best. I prefer you call the show 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. This is a funny day and age that we live in. You know it, and I know it. I don't think either one of us really hide from that. We live in a society where some people fall in love and live together. Kind of do a trial before they get married. Some people fall in love and marry. Sometimes one works out terribly well. Sometimes one works out terribly horribly. Today we're seeing the SP 500 up three, the Dow up one, the NASDAQ up 10. An up market seems to solve a lot of problems. But talking about couples, there's some basic things that you need to know, whether you're living together in sin or not, whether you're dating someone and it's fresh and wonderful, don't jack up your lifestyle. Two can live as cheaply as one, but when you combine your incomes, don't not take advantage of that. Don't go on crazy trips. I've done crazy trips. I've done it. I'm guilty. I wish I hadn't. You can save money on rent. You can save money on home-cooked meals. You can save money on transportation if you share a car. It's like finding extra money. But most people tend to say, you know what? I've got a little extra money now. Let's get some electronics. Let's get some clothes. Let's do some travel. Let's dine out. So don't change your spending because you're in love. Don't change your spending because you're living together with someone. Don't change your spending because you're married. In fact, save the money. 
Some of my best dates in the world have involved a sketch pad drawing one another. Some of my worst dates have been expensive vacations. Live on one salary. Save the other. If you can, you once lived on one salary, yours. Now you're living on two salaries, yours and hers. Try to live on one salary, and you both save 50% of the other salary. If you find yourself in a job situation where your income's not enough, maybe one of you goes back to school. Max out your retirement savings now. You're young. Trust me. When you're old and not able to work, you're not going to be able to max out your savings. Right now you're able to work and come home and do a sketchbook. Get insurance. You need to save against, you know, catastrophes. Sometimes maybe your your company's owner says, I got cats, I'm selling the business. Good luck to you. So you need an emergency fund. You and your loved one buy a house. You're both putting in half towards the mortgage. You need to ensure that person's disability. Because if they get disabled, they can't work. You need to ensure that person's life. Because if they die from a car that hits them, that income's gone. So you need term life. You need an emergency fund. You need disability insurance, which most companies offer it to you. You don't want state disability because that's a totally different thing. But you also want to enjoy life when you're young. And what you're going to find as you get older, it's, yeah, Sketchpad would have been enough. Going to see Cats, the musical. Midnight. It sucks. In fact, I would say most Broadway shows suck. For the value of 60 to 80 bucks for a ticket. I'm walking in my garden. Do your own Broadway show. Annoy your neighbors. Star Wars theme parks may be the next adventure for Disney. Star Wars feature films. We know are coming. Rumors have been swirling about a Star Wars land ever since Disney acquired the rights to Lucasfilm last year for about $4 billion. You see that Disney acquired Marvel for 3 to $4 billion. And you see that Iron Man 3 just made probably a billion dollars. Yeah, Disney knows how to monetize properties. Disney knows how to monetize characters. Keep that in mind. So today, take a look at the market numbers. We have an up market. Yay. May's been wonderful. Whole Foods is jumping big time. SP 500 up three. Dow up two. NASDAQ up 11. Gold sits at 14.66 an ounce. Roughly $500 an ounce, $500 per ounce lower than its all time highs. Oil up fractions. Ten-year treasury sits at 1.77%. I get kind of tired of hearing about Nuriel Rubini. I get tired about hearing about PIMCO's Bill Gross and his forecast of the future. 
I get tired about Bill Ackman, David Einhorn, Carl Icahn. Dullards. Everyone has an opinion. My opinion is take the eyeball at capitalism. Jacques Pony announced a horrible sales number. Better than expected cash levels. They're up a buck today to 1740. You could focus on the horrible sales and say, the company's got to have sales to live. You could look, focus on the cash and say, the company needs cash to survive another year so they could revive sales. 800-516-1220. calls there. It's 800-516-1220. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night. Share at the Pleasant Hotel. Building a retirement portfolio that lasts. It takes me like an hour and a half to get there, so I need you to get there. <laughs> Sign up at robblack.com from 6.30 to 9 tomorrow night. Talking about building portfolio that's going to last decades. Going over stocks that you should put into your portfolio and or not. Sign up at robblack.com. I'll go where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. And comedians like Tim Hawkins. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. In my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. Your place for great music and good, clean family fun. The all-new GodTube.com. For good, clean family entertainment, comedy, and inspiration, the easy answer is GodTube.com. GodTube.com. Log on now to GodTube.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black. Your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. We have an up day, we've got an up May. Later this hour, I'm going to be speaking with an economist from briefing.com. Sooner than later, I'm going to be speaking with CFP Chad Burton. I try to bring you the best of the best. SP 500's up two, the Dow's up one, the NASDAQ up 11. Whole Foods, big winner. Company that was left for dead when their CEO did some stupid stuff. He used to get online and, like, bash the competition as a character. Or as a made-up person. Semantic is going to miss expectations. Whole Foods beats expectations. It's a market of winners and losers. We've recovered from the nervousness that we saw in the market. 
in April. We have a very nice base that we're building off of. We've gotten through earnings season. We're turning to economic reports, i.e. the next phase, before we get to another earnings season. About 72% of the companies in the S&P 500 that have released results have exceeded profit projections. But again, keep in mind, companies lower projections so that they can beat projections. So it's kind of bogus. Economic data from China and Germany came in better than expected. Symantec is an antivirus company, security software company. They said revenue is going to be $1.61 million, not $1.65 billion. Williams Company, they're down about 4% today. They're the third largest pipeline company. They posted full-year earnings forecast through 2015. Trailing expectations. So they said, this year, next year, and the year after, here's what we're going to earn. And Wall Street didn't like the number. Whole Foods, it's cost a whole paycheck. Their profit rose to $142 million, up from last year's $118 million. Since businesses are looked at as people, corporations technically are people, according to the IRS. They've seen their income go from $118 million to $142 million. Have you seen your income go up that much? It's used in relative terms. Did you earn 20% more this year than last year? Let's go to CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton, how are you? CFP Chad Burton, I don't hear you. We lost him. Chad's going to be at the big event Thursday night with me in Pleasanton at the Sheraton from 6.30 to 9. One of the things that he does is kind of like the bigger picture. One of the things that I do is more of the bullet shot. He'll talk asset classes that people tend to miss when dealing with larger portfolios. When you're worth a million dollars, you're in retirement, heading towards retirement. You can't just own tech stocks. You can't just own stocks. You have to own some managed futures and some commodities. you got to own some MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships, but publicly traded MLPs, not the stuff that some shysters will sell you that claim no, that, that claim things like, I'm your financial coach. You have to own some hedged equity. You have to have Bond alternatives. What's a bond alternative? A no-load variable annuity and a structured note would be a, a bond alternative. For people like me, a bond alternative might be a stock like McDonald's that's yielding over 3% and stock's growing. Now, if it's bond alternative to me, that means I like 3% dividend in a good economy and a bad economy. Equity could lose 90% as long as they're paying that dividend. But for somebody who's in retirement, they may not feel comfortable with equity ups and down swings. 
Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money invested in more. You know, my goal on this show is to do my very, very best to give you a good thought pattern. Max out your 401k. Be patient when the market's up. Be patient when the market's down. You don't have to make your millions this week, this month, this year. I once had a college professor tell me, you know, you could write the great American novel, but it may not be until you're 40, 45, because that's when most great American novels are written. So don't feel like you have to go out and burn up the world, because it may not happen that way for you. A lot of people got caught up in the Apple up movement. The Apple down movement, people got fearful. It's kind of silly. CEO Marissa Mayer, she wants to break Yahoo's search deal with Microsoft. Unfortunately, she can't until 2015 at the earliest. Yahoo signed a 10-year search deal with Microsoft. It turns out it has an opt-out provision at the midpoint, 2015. So she's pretty much locked up into that. Search revenue is still about half of Yahoo's overall revenue. Last quarter, it was $409 million of Yahoo's $1.07 billion. So Yahoo has to figure out how to improve its Microsoft-based search results. Yahoo did its deal with Microsoft. The company has agreed to a level of revenue per search. The revenue per search was at a certain undisclosed fraction of Google's revenue per search. So if Google got a dollar of revenue for every query, Microsoft would help Yahoo get 50 cents. Those are not real numbers. They're just illustrative. Yahoo has never quite hit the revenue per search levels. As a result, Yahoo's exploring how it can get out of its deal, break its deal. Marissa Mayer, I think, is a, a fun CEO. In large part, she's good-looking, absolutely, but... Anytime she talks, you want to digest what she has to say. She gets media. According to a lot of sources, she has met recently with the top executives at Hulu, the premium video service that we consume a lot of, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Yahoo's in the process, but has not made a bid. Other players who are considering purchasing all or parts of Hulu include Peter Turnin, former News Corp COO. He's got a well-funded multimedia and investment company called Turnin Group. Guggenheim Partners Digital Arm, interested, which is led by former Yahoo interim CEO Ross Levinson. Amazon's looking at buying Hulu. Marissa Mayer had an extended get-to-know-you meeting with Hulu. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night, building a retirement portfolio that lasts Thursday, May 9th, Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. It's going to be my one big trip this year to the East Bay. Typically, I try to stay on 101 and the South Bay. 639 tomorrow, Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel, 639. We talk about tax burdens, low interest rates, what you can do, rebalancing your portfolio, stocks you should own. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. If you want to discount admission, email me rob at robblack.com. It's Rob Black. AM 1220 KDOW. 
Stocks remain higher as the S. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. About we can talk about shows dedicated to you. We could talk about the future of the stock market. Why do we continue to grind higher? A lot of people hate the stock market. That in of itself is a silly reason to stay on the sidelines. I've shared with you a couple emails that I get from people who are like, this is all going to end badly. Well, you need to participate until it does. I don't know if it ends badly in 10 years, 40 years, 80 years, or ever. I don't know if it ends badly in one day, 10 days, or 80 days. Nor do you. So far, I think the Federal Reserve has done a pretty good job when I go out. I see people consuming gasoline. I see people at stores. Go to Cheesecake Factory. There's always a line. Are they doing it on credit cards? Are they stealing from their uncles? I don't know. I don't care. I'm not there to judge. Whole Foods is a good quarter. As far as my eyeball can see, there's not a Whole Foods in my town. When there is, I'll shop there. Something about that whole paycheck that I spend magically draws me in. As far as I can see, there's a Safeways or a Lucky's in my town. Lots of them. Lots and lots and lots of them. So what is a play on income, saturation, management? Can they, you know, trim their costs? And one is a play on something totally different, growth. SP 500 is up four. The Nasdaq's up twelve. The Dow's up fourteen. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with New Focus Financial. We've got seminars coming up: wealth preservation, retirement planning. You can learn more about them at robblack.com. We all know how to accumulate wealth. Well, no, I'm not going to say we all know, but we got the general concept, accumulate wealth. When do you start drawing down on your IRA, your individual retirement account? Well, you have to start drawing on it, on your IRAs, 401Ks, um, even not on Roth IRAs unless you inherit one, but at the age of 70 and a half. So what you actually have to do in retirement prior to your asset allocation planning is do your income and tax planning. Okay. So... What happens is you end up with a certain amount of money in taxable accounts that kicks off dividends and interest, and it's going to be a tax issue no matter what you do. Then you have your Social Security and and or pensions and rental income. So you have to calculate what your taxes are automatically, regardless of whether you take the money or not. Because if you have dividends paid to you on your stock and mutual fund portfolios and your taxable accounts, whether you spend it or not, it's taxable income. So what I like to do is say, okay, how much is my automatic taxable income, and how much more can I take out of my IRAs right away once I retire in order to stay at the existing tax bracket? And, in fact, on newfocusfinancial.com, there's a there's kind of a, a short shortened version of the long longer-term retirement boot camp that I do that shows people how you allocate things once you've done that tax planning. So w- what you have to do is change your thinking. A lot of people put off as long as possible taking money out of the IRA, but what you do is say, how much can I take out of this existing bracket? Um, Because there's a scenario that I show where 
you can have well over $100,000 of income and still be in a 15% federal bracket if you do it the right way. So always think about how much can I take out. If you don't need to spend it, convert it to a Roth IRA. Um, so 70 and a half is the forced rule, but you want to pre-plan and control your taxes over the long term. And what you do in terms of your income planning and how much you can pull out of your IRAs goes back into your asset allocation. The thing that I like about this is it's really not up for argument, and a lot of people have come up with their own rules, and they make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you want to be – I think you're leaning towards the word efficient. Tax efficient, tax efficient income planning. It's, it's a really a longer-term view of your tax planning rather than a shorter term. Some people take the short-term view of saying, what's the least amount of taxes I can pay this year and next year? Right? Right. And they don't realize that if they do that, in the future they can increase their tax burden drastically instead of trickling the tax burden out over the time over time. Um, so it's it's really important to, to do that. And also, you know, it's it goes back into how you should invest during retirement. And that's where certain assets should be held. For example, in retirement, you typically want a lot of your normal, your corporate bonds, things like that in your retirement accounts, right. kicking off interest, paying you um, right away rather than being deferred. Let's go back in time, though. Let's go back to when you're 20, 30. In your IRAs, do you want income? Do you want dividend stocks in your IRAs or do when you want them outside? When you're in 20, 30, what, what you want is growth. Right. You want to be dollar-cost averaging into growth areas, so that means – large cap, small cap, mid cap in the U.S., but also probably 25 to 30% overseas with at least half of that exposure in emerging markets. So once you get done maxing, most people can't afford to max their 401k in and then invest outside of that. So all of that goes into your 401k. But when you start maxing out all of your retirement options and you have extra money to save, in your taxable accounts, that should be more of your longer-term kind of broad large cap exposure should be your taxable accounts. And then your small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, all of that should be held in your retirement accounts because they tend to have more turnover. Uh, When a foreign stock pays a dividend, it's not a qualified dividend necessarily in the U.S. So, again, you kind of want that in your retirement accounts. Um, So for younger people, once you are able to save outside your 401K, just you can look at some of the iShare, some of the core iShare ETFs. And buy those for free in, in, in your brokerage account. Back to the retired person and taking money out of an IRA mm-hmm. and efficiency doing it. One of the areas that I first learned when I got into the business many years ago was that old people don't like paying taxes. It was a weird statement. that Someone come, came up to me and was like, don't do any transaction. That's going to create a tax uh, liability for someone because old people don't like paying taxes. Yep. What do you think about that statement? Well, it's, it's true. I mean, there's a lot of um, still a lot of people that live through the tail end of the depression that are alive today, and they're very, very wealthy, but they just live off their Social Security, and they literally will not draw on their accounts and increase their lifestyle because of that point. They don't want to pay taxes. So sometimes you have to sit down with them and say, look, you've got all this money in an IRA or an annuity or whatever you bought, and if you take it out over time, you can control your bracket and be under 15%. If you leave it to your children... Um, and you leave your IRA to your kids, you leave your annuity to your kids, when they inherit it, they're going to pay taxes at their bracket. They're still working. They're making a high wage. So you can talk to them about how you leave money and show them that your kids are going to pay twice as much in taxes as you are. So if you're that person that is in retirement and you have assets that are growing that you're not using, you're lucky enough to have saved enough to have assets that you're just going to leave to your kids, 
you got to realize how they're going to be taxed because most people want more money to go to their kids and their charity than to Uncle Sam. Smartest financial planner I know, CFP Chad Burton. You can meet Chad at an upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. Find out more about those at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And again, I'm Rob Black. I'm doing an event this Thursday evening. It's $10 to get in, but it's $10 to park, and I pay for parking. Parking's free. It's going to be in Pleasanton. It's all about building the income portfolio for retirement. I'd like you to come out. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. And comedians like Tim Hawkins. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. Your place for great music and good, clean family fun. The all-new GodTube.com. For good, clean family entertainment, comedy, and inspiration, the easy answer is GodTube.com. GodTube.com. Log on now to GodTube.com. The Body Clinic in Fremont wishes the Bay Area Happy Mother's Day. Whether she's mama, mother, grandma, mommy, or mom-to-be, say Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in your life with the ultimate pampering experience at the Body Clinic Salon and Day Spa. For over 20 years, the Body Clinic has rejuvenated thousands of tired and aching bodies with their seaweed facials, hot stone therapy, seaweed wrap, and full-body therapeutic massage. Right now, get a $50 gift certificate for just $25. For complete details, visit kdow.biz and click on Half Off Deal of the Week. Discover ways to invest well and enjoy success. Listen to The Good Life Made Better with your host, investment advisor, Stephen F. Lavelle of Foresight Heritage. Each Saturday morning from 8 till 9, Stephen discusses market trends and helps you find a path to your success. It's The Good Life Made Better with your host, Stephen F. Lavelle, Saturday mornings from 8 till 9, right here on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, trying to get you to retirement. Sometimes I teach you about wealth accumulation. Sometimes it's more about wealth management. It's simple things. Don't be greedy. Don't be fearful. Invest. But look for signs that may tell you there's a flag. I got a Groupon offer yesterday for New York Yankees tickets at half price. That tells you bankers aren't doing terribly well in New York. Because if you ever go to a Yankees game or a Rangers game, lots and lots and lots of investment bankers. Let's bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen. Dr. Jeff Rosen is chief economist at briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I just brought up a stupid statistic. Yankees tickets at half price tells me a little bit about investment banking. It's not glorious. Am I off base looking at things like that? 
Um, not completely. I mean, I would argue that the Yankees aren't very good this year, so <laughs> a lot of people don't want to spend the money that it takes to, to go to those games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you know you don't have income, you don't go to a Yankees game. You know, same thing here in Chicago. You don't have income, you don't go see the Cubs. You know, there's no reason to. That's right. So as an economist, give us a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, Ph.D. from Ohio State, and I've been with Briefing for the last uh, four years as their chief economist, and I spend uh, just about every day in the weeds looking to see if I can uh, kind of pull out some kind of economic uh, trend that uh, isn't very visible, and right now that's uh, a lot of stuff that is not much fun. <laughs> I'm with you on that. It's uh, Briefing.com, as you mentioned, does a lot of live market analysis. Uh, you'll publish a piece every couple of days, sometimes daily. Talk about yeah. the U.S., talking to international markets. Um, more information we found at briefing.com. You just talked economic trends. What are you seeing right now? What's trending in your world? In my world, things are pretty ugly. Um, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm just looking, I'm trying to gather what is going to happen uh, towards the second half of the year. You know, right now, uh, for the second quarter, we're going to have problems with the you know, fiscal austerity and you know tax increases and, and stuff like that's going to limit consumption limit investment and then the question then is what's going to happen in the second half of the year when some of those growth factors don't have as much of an effect and i, I just don't see things picking up i mean if you if you look at a lot of my um, my peers you see a lot of forecasts of you know two and a half three percent in the second half of the year and that's all fine and dandy but why? And if you ask them, I mean, you know, a lot of it's wishful thinking in my, in, you know, my my my, my uh, type of uh, analysis. I mean, we know that there's enough savings in both businesses and consumers to spend, but there's no reason for them to. So why are we going to have animal spirits all of a sudden that we haven't seen in the past three years just all of a sudden show up and see economic growth? And I, I just don't see it. Now, we spoke with Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com yesterday, and he's bullish on the stock market. Is it possible to – I'm not saying he's bullish on the stock market. He sees potential upside. Is it possible to resolve the fact that you're not seeing good things six months from now with potential upside six months from now? Well, I think the stock market's moving uh, more on you know non-economic factors than economic factors. In fact, that – you know, yields on treasury bonds and on corporate debt is so low that if you're trying to make, you know, any money, there's there's no point in putting it in a, in a bond. So you're moving towards the stock market, which is just pushing it higher and higher. Now, you know, some of it is, you know, legitimate economic growth, but I mean, a lot of it is, you know, the, the idea of a Bernanke put, at least in my opinion. Okay. Um, and again, I'm not picking any issues. I'm just having fun yeah. and talking <laughs> economics with you. Um, I think there's the phrase out there that we always want to meet the one-handed economist, so you don't say on the other hand because we do. It, it's a speculative. It, it's a speculative area. You know, yeah, the job market. We see it slowly adding jobs. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely seeing job growth, and I'm seeing it at, at a fairly brisk pace. I mean, the 150,000 mark. It's not great, but it's not bad. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that at 200, 250. I don't see that happening in the you know immediate future. Um, I'm one of the few that was really disappointed in the uh, economic in the uh, employment number that came out on Friday. 
not with the uh, payroll growth, but because hours worked were cut back significantly. I mean, the payroll number looked strong; it exceeded expectations. But when you factor in, there was only you know a couple tenths of a percent increase in hourly wages and a, and a substantial reduction in uh, hours worked. You actually had a, a net drop in total aggregate wages for the month. So that means you're likely to see poor retail sales figures, possibly negative again in April, even though a lot of people were saying, look, we had better than expected uh, employment numbers. So, you know, you know, that's what I'm going to be looking at, you know, in the next report, not necessarily just, you know, are we getting more jobs, but are these part-time jobs or are these full-time jobs? And if they're all part-time jobs and we see, you know, the hours work just, stay the same or, or decrease again, you know, the economy is going to have a very difficult time uh, picking up and accelerating from here. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, he's the chief economist with briefing.com. It's a website that I rely on for content and information. I will parse through his data to come up with my own data at times. You seem not to like consumption right now in the United States. What do you like in the United States if I were to try to push you into something? Well, I think the uh, the strongest sector at the moment is the construction sector. I mean, you, we're seeing solid, steady growth in you know the amount of houses being produced. We're seeing, uh, you know, we've kind of hit a floor on uh, on sales, and we expect things to keep you know increasing at a moderate pace. And in that area, there's enough pent up demand, and we're starting to see a little bit of loosening of uh, credit constraints that it should be you know a primary driving factor in the economy. Uh, is it going to be enough to over overset you know the loss of consumption? Possibly not, but it's still an area of growth that uh, we hadn't seen you know in, in the previous couple of years. Construction's a positive, housing's a positive, but something that you just tied together for me is you said there's no wage inflation, so how can we have construction continuing if home prices are continuing? Home prices kind of need the income. Will construction eventually slow because there's no income to match the home price increase? Um, that's something that we've actually been weighing on. Uh, I wrote a piece actually yesterday that we published saying that uh, a lot of the growth in sales has been coming from uh, distressed homes and not from non-distressed homes. And as inventories of distressed homes uh, flatten out and actually start declining uh, more than we have, Growth in sales is going to have to be relied primarily on non-distressed properties, which cost more. And if you're having trouble getting people to buy a non-distressed property, you're going to have to lower your price. And there's a big possibility that the strong price gains that we've seen over the last, you know, six, nine months is going to slow significantly as the non-distressed properties, you know, soften a little bit to, to attract more demand. Government statistics come out almost daily. How much weight do you put in the validity of government statistics? A lot of people tend to think that they're inflated or manipulated or not reliable. Uh, they're about as reliable as you're going to get. I mean, there, there's. Okay. I mean, if you, you know, the people that are that feel they're inflated or feel that they're you know biased in some way. I mean, realistically. The people that work together, these numbers, have no say in the matter. It doesn't affect their job if things are better or worse. So there is no reason for them to bias it in one direction or another. And it's not like they're going to get a raise if the employment numbers are stronger than expected one month or two months or three months. So 
you know, the question is, is the survey mechanism in itself reliable? And, you know, are we accurately looking at the right places? And, and that's debatable. I mean, you definitely know that, uh, you know, you may have a friend that's out of work and you see employment numbers getting better, and yet you don't know a single person that's ever been surveyed by the Census Bureau on employment. You know, likewise, you know, you could be a small business and never have a, you know, in the Census Bureau ask you how uh, your sales were that month. So there's definitely biases possible in the survey, but in the numbers themselves, what they get, that, that's what they get. Anything else that you want to throw at us, Dr. Rosen? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, we're still in this maintaining mode of trying to see how the data is going to play out. You know, right now things aren't looking spectacular, but, you know, things can pick up. There is underlying trends that allow things to pick up if, you know, somehow the animal spirits come through. But, you know, right now I'm cautious on the economy. Work with the statement. As I was growing up, uh, we always had GDP between 2 and 4%. 4% was a little too hot. 2% was a little too slow. Can I still work with that GDP number in my head, or is it going to be more like a one and a half to three and a half? Uh, are you, can you can you add color to my statement? Yeah, it's a tough call. If you look at the CBO's reports on full employment, they're still looking at a projection of GDP at potential, you know, two seven to three percent, which is what we've seen, you know, historically in the past. If you look at the way the economy is moving, it, you know, you can hear. You know, PIMCOs talk about a new normal of, you know, maximum output of, you know, 2% and stronger than maximum, you know, 3%. That probably is not true in the long run. It may be true today just because there's still, you know, a hangover embedded in consumers and investors on uh, accumulating debt. But once some of that uh, goes away, I, I seriously think that, you know, 2.5% to 3% growth, which is normal, uh, potential is accurate. Thanks for joining us. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com. He's the chief economist. Briefing.com provides independent live market analysis for both the professional as well as the consumer. On the U.S. and international equity markets, it's the most reliable information. Um, it's probably pretty close to Bloomberg. It's pretty top-notch stuff. You can find out more at Briefing.com. It's Briefing.com. I, myself, am Rob Black. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We've got a big event coming up Thursday evening in Pleasanton, Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel, uh, all on building a retirement portfolio that hopefully can last. No product sold. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. One of the things I love about my job is that I get to have opinions. It's a privilege to have an opinion. Not every person in the world gets to have opinions, but when you're an American, you are free to voice your own point of view. I work with a radio station, radio network that lets me voice my opinions. I try to bring to you reliable content on the stock market because I don't think the average newscaster tonight at 6 p.m. were covering the Wall Street hitting all-time highs really adds a lot to the debate. 
I don't want to be right. I want to build a case. I don't want to be ignorant. I want to study this stuff. SP 500 is up four today. Hitting record highs. The Dow is up 13. The Nasdaq's up 12. I read an email that I got to you a month ago. Just someone absolutely positively wanting to be right and thinking the market's going to go lower. I don't think we hit Dow 36,000. There's an author out there named Harry Dent who, you know, the roaring 2000s. He goes from being incredibly bullish to incredibly bearish to incredibly bullish to incredibly bearish. And he'll say Dow 36,000, and he'll follow up his next book with Dow 2000. And gets ignorant. He sells a lot of books. He probably has some economic groupies that fuel his ego. I think you're being ignorant if you're trying to be right. I got an email from a guy named Michael last month that was like quantitative easing, artificially pumping up the market even though the economy's not growing. Okay, absolutely. I mostly agree with that statement. Doesn't mean capitalism's not working in corporate America. I can separate the two. Cyprus is seizing citizen bank deposits. I love that. Um, I bet Michael can't even find Cyprus on a map. On top of that, who cares? I don't think that's going to affect the guy in Stockton or San Mateo or Seattle today from going to McDonald's and getting a Big Mac. Okay, maybe it'll affect the, the Big Mac sales in Cyprus. But again, who cares? Greece doesn't have an economy the size of a major U.S. city. And yet people are like, look at what's happening in Greece. Could it unravel? Absolutely. The euro, the European Union on its upside is very, very good. On its downside, it's very, very bad. Reality, it's somewhere in the middle. I'm always surprised at how vehement people are willing to get when you don't need to. Disney? Iron Man 3 is going to make a billion plus dollars, right? The Avengers 2, the Avengers 3, 4, 2, 4, 3. Star Wars 7, Star Wars 8, Star Wars 9. Spin-off movies. Chewbacca. I mean, don't we want to see a Chewbacca movie? Absolutely. I had a glorious childhood. Then I became a man. Eh, and I worked a lot. So one day I want to show my kids, kids, kids. I want to be a great, great grandfather or great grandfather or grandfather and show the kids Star Wars and how cool it was and how the technology aged okay or it aged poorly. Disney's not going to go, go out of business. If you go into your grocery store, you're going to see like Phineas and Ferb Gogurts. And you go, who's Phineas and Ferb? And it's a Disney show. Not going out of business anytime soon. McDonald's, not going out of business anytime soon. Thinking about this kind of stuff will make your head spin at the time. Mortgage index up 7%. 
people are refinancing their mortgage. People are getting mortgages. The Nikkei, the Hang Seng, the DAX, the FTSE, all higher today. Ten-year treasury sits at 1.78%. I'd prefer it be at 3.5%, but you know what? I can't do anything about it. So I deal with what I got. Strength today in financials, tech, and materials, weakness in consumer staples and utilities. Volatility is getting a little bit higher right now. I like volatility because it creates some efficiencies. J.C. Penny shares rally in the face of a disaster. Horrible, horrible sales numbers. And yet, stock moves higher because they say we got enough cash. S&P 500 up four, Dow up thirteen, Nasdaq up twelve. If you've been following the yo-yo that is Apple, yo, yo, yo. It seems to be on an upswing right now. Does that mean you should buy? I don't know. I don't know your level of risk. I don't know your level of expectation. I don't know your level of experience. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night that I'm very, very, very proud of. It's a brand new event for a guy who doesn't like doing brand new events. It's building a retirement portfolio that lasts, which you can expect in your portfolio to make it last decades. I'm going to go over 10 to 20 stocks that I think are portfolio worthy for the next 10 to 40 years. Let's talk about reducing risk, how you can save for retirement in a low interest rate environment. CDs aren't working. Banks aren't working. You've got to beat inflation. Inflation runs 2 to 4%. So you've got to beat 2 to 4%. You want your money to last. Not only can you not lose it, if your bank account goes from a million to zero, but if the value of rent goes from a thousand to two thousand, your dollar doesn't go as far. You can sign up for the event tomorrow night at the Pleasanton, in Pleasanton at the Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. Tomorrow night from 6 to 9 at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you want a half off uh, voucher, drop me an email rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.